Amen. The Lord is good. And all the time. Amen. Um, first of all, I bring greetings to you all from Malawi, the warm heart of Africa, particularly from New Life Church uh, in Lilongwe, where I have a privilege to be one of the pastors there. It's such a great joy and an honor for me to be here today uh, to worship with you and above all to bring God's word to all of us. And let me also appreciate my friend Pastor Larry and Mama Harriet. I've known this couple for a couple of years. And every time I see them, I see the sense of encouragement because they have encouraged me in many times in my life. In the times that I've saw the need in my context, and I've seen them praying for me. In the times that I felt like rejected, I've seen them encouraging me and pushing me forward. So it's such great joy that I can be with all of you alongside them. And I feel so humbled because I wish he would have preached and let me enjoy his sermon. But uh, he said, bro, you're going to do it. And I say, thank you for that. And uh, really, I don't take this for granted. Um, so would you please turn with me as we'll be reading together. Uh, of course, I'm going to read. I know the tradition, you read alongside, but I'm going to read it. Uh, but I would humbly ask all of you to stand. As I'll be reading from the book of Daniel, chapter number three, I would wish we have read the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I would encourage you when you go back home to read the entire chapter of the book of Daniel, chapter number 3, from verse number 1 to verse number 18. I'll read verse 1 and 2, and then I'll jump to verse number 11, up to verse number 20. And this morning, I would like you and I to explore the topic that I've sent, choosing who to worship. And I commence reading. King Nebuchadnezzar make an image of gold 90 feet high and 90 feet wide. And set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. And I'll quickly jump to verse number 11. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into breathing fantasy. But there are some Jews whom we have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither save your gods nor worship the image of God ye have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not save my gods or worship the image of God I've set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, fruit, this, rira, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a breathing fantasy. Then what God will be able to rescue from, the hand, from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. 
If we are thrown into the breathing furnace, the God we save is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not save your gods or worship the image of God you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitudes toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times harder than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the breathing furnace. Here ends the reading of God's word. Friends, flower fades and the glass withers, but the word of God remains forever. Let's be seated. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this privilege. Privilege that I'm not even worthy to stand before your people to speak your very own words. God, I pray that may you use me as your vessel. May you increase, may I decrease. May you open our eyes all together to be amazed and to be encouraged by your very word, the words of life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the passage that we have read is a passage that from time to time when I look at it, when I read it, it challenges my faith, but at the same time, it encourages me on what God can do in humankind. The topic of choosing who to worship is not as easy as you and I we may think. It's between choosing death or life. We are living in a world that is so crooked, world full of darkness, world whose ideologies and worldviews from time to time, they want to draw us away from our presence, from the presence of God. A world whose ideologies are constantly against the lordship of Jesus Christ. A world that challenges us to say, you can talk about God, but don't worship him. You can sing about this Jesus that you talk in the church, but don't really commit your life to him. And so, we see people coming to church like the way we have done today, singing and worshiping. By the way, you guys, you can worship in a wonderful way. I was quite impressed. Very, very encouraged. I felt like, man, I feel like I'm back in Africa. <laughs> but we can't do that. Listen, we can't do that. And then once we go out of these doors, we go into the real world. And we face challenges. Who do we choose to worship? in our working places, in our families, as we try to raise our own children. Because this world is against the light of God. Because this world, from time to time, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus Christ, this question of choosing who are you going to worship is so real. Whether we like it or not. So this morning, I would like to challenge you to say, no matter what happens in our lives, 
as Christians, may we still remain committed to our faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. You may forget whatever I'm going to say today, but don't forget this, that Jesus wants you to be committed to the faith you have in him. And that commitment comes without any debate. Or maybe because I am in this particular situation, God says there's no other being that you and I, we can worship apart from he alone. He's the God of the universe. He is the creator and we're his creatures. There are two things that I would like to bring to attention this morning. Number one is what I call the challenge of choosing who to worship is rare in our lives. Let me say that again. The challenge of choosing who to worship is so rare in our lives. You, we see this in the text that we have just read this morning, that uh, these young men, the Jewish men, who were in, in captivity, who were enslaved. But because of their faith, because of their commitment to God, they are facing this challenge when the king was very ungodly, when the king who had no idea what it means to be the creature and what it means to be the creator. And this king set up an idol that he forces everybody to say, everybody in my kingdom, I want you to worship him. You know what he was asking? He was asking to say, I am God. And you must bow down. And I was, as, as I was reading this text, I'm like, do we really face this kind of thing today? Probably we don't necessarily face this kind of, of challenge as these guys may. We face these things in different ways, maybe in your working place, maybe in your relationship, where the world on one hand is telling you don't, follow what the scripture says. You can go to church, you can dress like a Christian, you can sing like a Christian, but when it comes to worship, just worship, just bow a little bit. You know, the text here, if you read it, you'll be like, what was wrong with these young men risking their lives, and the king is not asking them to say, give one-tenth of your, of, your, of your money. He's not asking that. He's not even asking to say, I want you to go and sell your homes and give me part of your money. He's not asking that. And yet what he's asking is at the very core of our being. Amen. Worship me. Worship me even though I'm an idol. And so these men, because of their faith, we read it from verse number one all the way to verse number 11. What did they say? Nope. We're not going to do that. And you and I today, when we face challenge, what do we do? Sometimes we feel like, okay, I'm going to do that a little bit after all my pastor's not here. <laughs> my mom and my dad is not here. So even when I'm in school and these peer groups, they say, you know what? Everybody's doing it. Why not you? And the temptation comes in your mind to say, should I not be part of my peer group? Even when you know for sure that this thing which you are being demanded to do is contrary to God's word. And then you are, you are tempted. You feel like, man, if I don't do this, 
What will my friends think of me? Are they not going to say that I'm backwards? Are they not going to say that you're not progressive enough? And sometimes when I look at the ideologies in the West, when you, when you try to stand up for the truth, you're challenged, they say, you're not politically correct. Let me tell you. What they're trying to tell you to say, will you worship us? Would you commit your life to what everybody else is doing? Before God, there's no such a thing as politically correctness. No such a thing. Truth remains truth. No matter even it's a high power who is saying that, but you and I, we know better that our God is greater than all other kingship of this world. We know better that God's word is supreme and has an authority over my marriage. So even if my wife, maybe sometimes it's your husband, you feel like, you know what? I'm going to compromise a little bit for the sake of my wife. And I've seen some women, they say, for the sake of my husband, I'm going to do this. But let me tell you, those of you who face such a thing, if it's between your wife and God or between your children, and God, between your work and God, choose to be faithful to God. God is the only one who is worthy of our worship. God alone is worthy of, of our commitment to love him, to praise him, to worship him. Even if everybody in this world say no, but you and I, we know better, that there is only one truth, and that truth is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we say yes to God's word, and we say no to the things of this world. The challenge of choosing who to worship is so real. These young men, they face this challenge. Even they had the opportunity to say, you know what, God, we love you. We used to worship you when we were back in our home place. But you know, God, you're going to understand we are just slaves. We are in captivity. We are in a place where we don't have authority. What are we going to do it? But they say no. Because they knew who their God is. Amen. 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 May that be your heart. May that be my heart. To say no matter what may happen in my life, I'm going to choose to worship God alone. For he alone is worthy of my worship and of my commitment. Friends, secondly, not only the challenge of choosing how to worship is real in our lives, but this challenge requires us to be committed. Can you say with me commitment? commitment. Let's read together on verse number 16. One of the things that challenges me as a young man when I look at what these three young men say, it's amazing. It's beyond what you and I we could ever imagine. So you know the story. The king has been told that there are three young men here who are not willing to worship you. They are not willing to bow down to the idol that have set apart. So they are summoned, and they are being questioned, and they are being asked, and they are being challenged. Listen to what they answer on verse number 16. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, on verse 16 rather, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to the king, 
Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into breathing furnace, the God we save is able to save us from it. And he will save us. He will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even, pay attention to verse number 18. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not save your gods or worship the image of God you have set apart. These are the words of men who are so committed to their maker. And that commitment does not come because God has said he's going to rescue us. They say, even if God say, even if God is not, not going to do it, but we know for sure better be in the hands of God than in a place where you feel like you're secured. Better be in committed to that love of God than maybe to that particular thing that is forcing you to worship it. We face this today. We see this in our day-to-day time. I'm from the country that I'm serving as a board member on the Council of Churches. There was one time we were, we were being pushed by one particular organization. I'm not going to mention them here. And they were saying, you know what? If, 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 if your government can just allow same-sex marriage, you know what? You're going to get grants. If your government can just accept abortion, after all, it's a right of woman to do whatever they want to do. At the back of my mind, I'm like, are you really thinking? Should we sell our conviction, our belief, on expenses of being poverty? And they say, you know what? We are not even asking, but just, you know, just write down, just a little bit, just, just accept it. You know what they're asking us? Worship our demands, and we're going to give you money. I was among those who said no to such ungodly saying. Better I die poor than to have money, and then I go to hell. Friends, we need to stand up for our faith sometimes. We need to show the world who we are and whom we worship and whom we have put our trust. And sometimes that action comes with a sacrifice. You know, it's so good to be here to worship as we are dancing, raising up our hands as we worship. When you go back to your home and your wife is acting as if you are not even a man in the home. She's forcing you to do the things that you know for sure this is very ungodly. And then you, you are like, should I go by what my wife is telling me or should I go by what God is telling me in my word, in his word? Or maybe you're in a relationship and you know for sure that this relationship is taking me nowhere. And then you face this challenge Should I say no to what my boyfriend or my girlfriend is demanding? Will I not feel lonely? Will I not be alone? Friends, sometimes we need to stand up for faith. With this in these three men, they said, listen, O king, we know you have power, but our God is able. 
Our God is the creator of the entire universe. Our God is the one who has actually allowed you to be where you are. And sometimes we forget this truth. And Satan comes in, in, in trying to force us, making us to feel like, if I don't do this, then I'm finished. You know what Jesus said? He says, not be afraid, one who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than the one who is in the world. Amen. We forget that we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. We, are, we, we forget that God has said in his word, we are the chosen nation. We have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when this temptation comes, when these challenges come in our life, when the storms of this world comes, they try to shake in you. I pray that you and I will remember God's word. That we are not alone. He is with us. Are you committed to your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you committed in your work with Jesus Christ? To be here like the way we are, everybody looks so committed to Christ. I'm talking when you walk out of this building, in that waking place, when nobody in your circle is there, how are you going to act? Maybe it is your boss, she, he or she is putting pressure on you. And then you debate, should I lose my work? What if I lose my work? Where am I going to get my pressure? How am I going to pay my bills? We just sang, Mila Koweka. You know, we don't just sing these things. We sing because we believe that's who God is, isn't it? But sometimes we forget. We cry and then it is as if we don't have God. We forget that our God is bigger than these leaders who try to put things on us. Sometimes you're afraid of politicians. Sometimes you're afraid of those in community who seem to have more power. I'm here to remind you that you are God and my God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. You know what happened? They were taken and they were put in the furnace. The Bible says that the, the, the furnace was made seven times times seven horror. In other words, the pressure was coming even more harder. As you said to Jesus Christ, Satan will never leave you. I am told you are doing sillies. Uh, you are doing sillies on uh, warfare. Warfare comes to men and women who follow Jesus Christ. It's wave one after another. It is tears one after another. Questioning where is God in all of these things. But I'm here to tell you that even all these waves may come in your life. Don't give up in your faith in Jesus Christ. You are not alone. After all, it's not by our power. It's not by our experience. It's not about our own education. It's by the grace of God that we encounter and we know we are more than victorious because of him who died for us on the cross. Sometimes these works may cost you a life. That's why these men were so ready. It says, even if God does not save us. What they meant is to say, even if you kill us now, we know that our souls will be in the better hands of God and will be much safer 
in his words. And this reminds me of a man that I'm going to show you in a moment who was a missionary in India. A man who, after he got to know who Jesus is, and the whole village turned against him. But this man, he never quitted his faith. He trusted our Lord Jesus Christ, even when it costed his life. Let's watch in a moment. story of a small village in India. And in this village, there was this family that came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. This agitated the village so much and everybody became so upset that an angry mob gathered and shoved them into the public square. The village chief confronted them and he said to the man, if you and your family will not recant your faith, you all will surely die. The man didn't know what to say or what to do. And so the only thing that came to mind for him were the words of a song that he himself had composed when he had first surrendered his life to God. And so he began to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And with that, horrifically, his children were killed. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. was given another chance, this time with his wife's life on the line, and yet he continued to sing, though none go with me, still I will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow, though none go After her tragic death, he was given one final opportunity, this time to save himself. And yet he continued to sing. No turning back, no turning back, 
though that man and his family died on that day, something remarkable happened. A seed was planted in the heart of that village chief, a seed that began to grow over time, and eventually he called the community together in that very same neighborhood, in that very same square, and he renounced his former faith and declared his allegiance to Jesus Christ. And a celebration broke out in that moment, and the gospel began to flourish and to grow in that community, not just in that village, but across the whole region, because they had seen real faith, and they knew the true character of God because of a family that believed and sacrificed, even under the penalty of death. Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 24 to 26, as I'm wrapping up. These are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, spoken to you this morning as he was spoken to his disciples back then. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Of what can a man give in exchange of his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will notice death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Friends, choosing who to worship is not just a topic. Think about your day-to-day -day life. Who are you going to follow? Sometimes you feel like I'm just trying to protect my life. There are men and women who died because of their faith because of their commitment to that relationship with Jesus Christ. My prayer for you today is that remain faithful to God. Be committed to Jesus Christ no matter what happens in your life. Even if, you are, if, even if your family members may deny you, even if you are, your peer group may reject you, even if the whole world may say you are an idiot because of the gospel, better for you to be called an idiot because of the cross than to be a friend of everybody else. Jesus said, do not be a friend of this world, but be a friend of he who died for you on the cross. It is time for us in this church and even across America that Christians, we need to shine up our faith. We need to be the light and to be the salt. And we do not do that in our own, but we do that because of he who died for us, who dwells in us as we read this scripture, as we pray day to day. He is at work in us. And we shall say no to every form of ungodliness. And we shall yes, say yes to every form of godliness. Amen. Because his grace is sufficient. Amen. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you. We thank you that in this dark world, in this crooked generation of ours, in this world where idols are all over, idols are after us in many ways, that your grace is sufficient to keep us. Your grace is sufficient to protect us. Your grace is sufficient to remind us of who we are in you, Jesus Christ. That even if we may feel loneliness, but we know that we have got you, our Lord and our Savior. In a moment, the whole world is going to witness of your Lordship. As Paul says in the book of Philippians, that every knee is going to every knee is going to kneel down and that every tongue is going to confess that Jesus you are the Lord and we be encouraged and we be reminded of your goodness and of your faithfulness i pray for the leadership of this church i pray for this church that it will be like a light on the on the hill that men and women in this community, when they look at New Life Presbyterian in this location, they may be able to see Jesus Christ. Their families will see Jesus Christ in them. Their peer groups will be able to see Christ in them and draw to the, to, to the grace of you, Jesus Christ. I pray these things in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.